Hey Techish fam, welcome back. Producer Ryan here. Abadesi and Michael are on a little break this week. So we've got some clips coming up for you from Extra-ish. Michael and Abad dive into the latest Elon Musk and Bill Gates beef, whether niceness in the workplace can be a red flag, and are millennials jealous of Gen Z? Remember to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so we can keep this techish community growing. You know what, man? I saw some tea between Elon Musk and Bill Gates, man. That just made me laugh, basically. Oh, so rich white men getting upset with Basically, each other. billionaire oh, no. beef. I shouldn't even speak on this. I'm not rich enough for this conversation. Right? <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, but basically, so it was a screenshot that was going around between a text message conversation between the two of them where essentially, I think Bill Gates was trying to rip in Elon to do philanthropy work. You know, mm. Bill Gates has got the billionaire pledge where he goes around to different billionaires. Like, mm. can you donate money to, to my foundation? Like, after you die or whatever, or while you're still alive. I think yeah. Warren Buffett said that when he dies, all of his money is going to go to the Gates Foundation, blah, 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 blah whatever you think about the Gates Foundation and however problematic issues they have but regardless that's the situation White saviour So he hollered at Elon he was like yo let's discuss this blah 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 and Elon mm. was like yo by the way yeah, I'm happy to meet but do you still have like a massive short position on Tesla? Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently he heard through the grapevine during the TED talk that like, he has like a half a billion or a billion dollar short on Tesla right and Bill Gates was like yeah I haven't closed that out unfortunately and then oh. Elon was like I can't talk to you because you're trying to talk about you're the climate change guy and you want to save the world and blah 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 and like I'm trying to do electric vehicles here and you're trying to short man like what's going on here kind of thing and that was the end of the conversation and then obviously Elon took it too far did a picture of a, the pregnant man emoji saying that's Bill Gates because he's got a big belly blah blah blah, blah. yeah it's, it's, it's mad he's such a troll yeah, why do you troll. people still love him mad you people troll. listening that still love him <laughs> I think he's losing you. fans by the day but anyways what do you think about this billionaire tea you've evolved allow. you want to hear it you don't want to hear this you don't care. <laughs> strong allow <laughs> <laughs> well I think for me it's just kind of like I've just got more important things to about. think about and like to let take up my headspace like you know living in a male dominated white dominated world is already like enough of that energy for me so yeah. i'm gonna let bill and elon you know do their Duke thing it have it out and they'll be okay yeah they'll be good so on the show we talked about chief because they are a female founded career development platform that want to help you know this and the next generation of women rise up reach more c-suite positions get onto Boys boards chief. They're the community that recently got unicorn valuation uh, at their last fundraise. I believe in the US, not here where we are in the UK, but I believe in the US, they actually like have physical locations. So like in some senses, they were competitive to the wing, but I think their real like cachet where their value is, is in these like circles, you know, coaching circles, mentorship circles, where like huge corporations, Fortune 500 companies are sending, you know, female managers, directors, VPs onto these circles so that they can accelerate their progression into to SVP position, exec position, board position. So they're obviously trying to tackle unique challenges that women in the workplace face so that they're better set up for success. And they've convinced a bunch of investors that they're they're doing it because they're now mm. a unicorn valuation, which is pretty, pretty Amazing. epic. I mean, when I first started doing Hustle Crew 2016 and I was pitching investors here in, in London, but also further afield about my dream to build a career advancement community for women in my duty training. People are just like, no. So I find it absolutely, you know, amazing, beautiful, a sign of progress that, you know, five, six years later, companies in this space can now become unicorns. That's really cool. But what I wanted to talk about was they do a lot of really insightful content about workplace culture. And one of the Mm. things that they're talking about is niceness, right? Like I'm a nice leader. We're a nice company. Mm -hmm. The new red flag toxic culture. And the TLDR of this is when we're fighting for inclusion, as our companies both do, right? Like let's increase representation. We got to make this place inclusive first. If people, underrepresented people want to be here, there has to be 
some level of uncomfortable conversations, right? And even some confrontation, right? If someone's out there using the N-word, yeah. like they've reportedly been doing in, in Tesla factories, yeah. someone's got to not be nice for a second and be like, yo, yo, 100%. yo, that's yeah. not cool. You can't say that, right? And if that person like, oh, dude, you know, whatever, tries to defend themselves, again, you need someone to be not nice and be like, that's not good enough. Let's take it all, like, let, let's go speak to HR or whatever might happen. And so, you know, the argument basically goes, if a place is about being nice. If a leader, especially people from dominant groups, is about being nice, is that a place where you want to be as an underrepresented person? Because isn't there it's a, great, great a possibility that nice CEO is also being nice to the bad apples? Maybe he's being Absolutely. nice to the microaggressors or the aggressor aggressors. Do you know what I'm saying? So basically Absolutely, like, yeah. is nice a red flag? Is, you know, if a company that just wants to be nice to everyone all the time, is that a red flag for a toxic culture? What do you think? I think absolutely. I think it's definitely uh, not a positive indicator. I mean, like, let's say, for example, I'm underperforming and the whole time you're being nice to me and be like, oh, you're doing great, doing great. Right? And, then bring, and then you bring me into the office, you're like, we've got to let you go. I'm like, hold on, you didn't even give me a chance to improve. I didn't get no constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't have time for nice. I prefer authentic, obviously, within reason. Is nice one of many characteristics that I would like at my company, but by Balanced with authenticity, balanced with real talk, balanced with, you know, what's necessary. Yeah. Okay. But nicest by itself is not, you know, a good thing just by itself. Right. It kind of reminds me of like the quote unquote nice guy syndrome. Like on paper growing up, you'd hear, oh, what's wrong with a nice guy? But obviously it kind of screams inauthentic. It screams not being genuine. Right. So um, yeah, I agree. So that can be toxic if it goes to its like inevitable conclusion. And I think it's important. I was watching a School of Life video the other day about like, you know, what's bad about being a nice person, something like that. Like, you know, and I think a lot of people do identify, especially leaders, especially, you know, younger founders, they really identify with that kind of like nice guy or nice girl, nice person identity because they had managers or bosses who are not nice. Right. Right. So a lot of us are kind of like, I want to be better than that. I want to do better than that. But the problem is it's impossible to be nice to everyone and still act in line with your values because Mm -hmm. to be nice to everyone and act in line with your values is to suggest that every single person you interact with also aligns with your values. Like probability wise, that's just not realistic. That's just not possible yeah it's not so sometimes in order to live your values if your values are like integrity inclusivity anti-racism whatever they might be intersectional feminism in order for you to live those values you're gonna have to come into conflict with someone because there are people moving around you who do not subscribe to those values and then Mm -hmm. some type of tension or conflict is gonna arise so you know a lot of people, and this is something that I find in my work at Hustle Crew a lot of the time, because I'll be doing a workshop and I'm like, okay, let's talk about privilege. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about male privilege. Let's talk about oppression. Let's talk about white supremacy. And people who really connect with that nice person identity don't like thinking about the fact that they could have bias, mm-hmm. prejudice. But the fact is we all do, right? Yeah. I want to be a nice person, but I'm not a perfect person. And I do mm-hmm. have biases and I do have privileges and my privileges become blind spots that stop me from empathizing with people that don't have those privileges. So yeah, I think it's really great that people are now unpacking niceness in a way that isn't like toxic positivity. Cause we kind of talked about that on the show before we talked about like, have a nice day, everything's cool and how that's problematic. But it's now nice to also talk about like aiming to be a nice leader is also problematic. Be a values driven leader. And sometimes mm-hmm. it means you can't be nice. Yeah. Amen. We'll leave it at that. Techish is sponsored by Intuit, a global technology platform that serves millions of customers worldwide with TurboTax, QuickBooks, Mint, Credit Karma, and MailChimp. 
They are now hiring for a variety of tech and non-tech roles across all products and regions. At Intuit, you'll be part of a team that emphasizes the importance of diverse voices to drive innovation and power prosperity for all. Check out the career opportunities waiting for you. Visit intuit.com slash P-O-C-I-T. That's I-N-T-U-I-T dot com slash P-O-C-I-T. Pocket. All right. Let's talk right. about working styles, generation wars, boomers mm-hmm. versus millennials versus Gen Z. I think we've spoken on the show before how we don't even know if we subscribe to these labels. But okay, in the interest of time, we say that generally speaking, the times in which you're raised shape your perspectives and shape your views. And it's been a hot trending topic on TikTok. I saw one just earlier today, one guy doing like how boomers end a video call. And he was just like, oh, I know we're already 10 minutes over. Can you just go back to that? <laughs> And then the millennial one was like too busy, like taking a sip of their smoothie. So they quickly like hit the space. We're like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Ready to go. Ready to go. And then the Gen Z was all like, well, we're at time and I have to move on to another meeting, but you know, checking on you later, all Zen and stuff. But anyway, Twitter wars have erupted recently because people are saying that Gen Z are better at enforcing work-life boundaries. Okay. They're better at pushing back. They're better at saying no. And apparently Everyone else is jealous of that and mm. and saying that it's not boundaries, it's laziness or it's lack of experience. So we've got two different interpretations here. Gen Z are saying we need to prioritize our mental health mm-hmm. and other people are saying, well, is it your mental health or can you just get are this done? Are you being done? lazy basically? <laughs> yeah. yeah, can you get this done? What is your take Mr. Brahim, tell me. Uh, are those what, young people just lazy? Sometimes, sometimes I feel like these are like made up controversies just to get the timeline talking. <laughs> From my personal experience, like my, I think obviously a very small sample size in it, yeah, but most of my company is Gen Z and they're all pretty hardworking. If there is a moment when they like, yo, I can't work today, I need a mental health break, that's absolutely fine kind of thing. And maybe in a previous generation that would have been unheard of, but because maybe I'm kind of, I wouldn't say I'm Gen Z adjacent. I'm just, you know, I'm a millennial, <laughs> but I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> Culturally, I'm Gen Z adjacent. <laughs> Whatever that means. You know I'm, what I'm, I'm, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm down adjacent. with the kids. I'm down with the kids. <laughs> okay. I'm down with the kids. What do you want me to say? In I'm a cool guy. And I'm <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of, of you know that mindset probably more than a boomer person in it. So I think it's for the, I think it's for the good, man. I don't. I think millennials. We kind of came into this world thinking that we wanted to find meaningful work. Yeah. Basically, we, we were like, oh man, like I want my career to have meaning, and that's what you saw. Like Tom shoes, like that whole model yeah. of like we sell one shoe and we give it, and every company wanted to have a little twist so you could get kind of millennials to come in and act yeah. like, yo, we're really saving the world when we're actually just want, selling shoes. Yeah, I want to find um, my life meaning at work. Yeah, that was a yeah, mistake. Basically, that was a that mistake. Was a big mistake. Why do we do it that? Was, it's a big. Yeah, I don't know why. Because I think yeah, we got sold a dream. Oh, and I think Gen Z are basically more wiser than that, and they're just like it's very unlikely I'm going to find meaning in my work. So if I am going to work, let it at least be something that doesn't kind of destroy me kind of thing. Like, let me have my boundaries and let me know, you know, what's good. And lucky for them, they've entered this world, or depends how you want to see it, but they've entered the working world where there is more options in terms of remote work. I know we spoke earlier, maybe yes. for junior employees, it might and be And self-employment. And self-employment and whatnot. But yeah, that's it. That's that's my thoughts, really. Do you know what? From it's Gen, really interesting. From a Gen Z adjacent person. <laughs> it's interesting because I definitely see mental health as a topic that comes up a lot. This is like at Hustle Crew, my community that I work in, at Brandwatch the company that I work in and I talked to my husband about it quite a lot because you know we're at that stage in our careers you know thank god that you know we're yeah senior we're like managing younger people and we can see you know you always look back and you go oh was I like that when I first started out you know like is that the language that I use is that the way that I spoke and I think I love the accountability that this like 
younger generation workers put onto employers. I feel like they're so much more aware of their employment rights in a way that I wasn't. And they're also probably just a bit more fearless, right? Like they're just a bit like, okay, Mm -hmm. cool. The worst thing that happens is I get fired. But like, I feel like I was genuinely afraid of getting fired. Like for me, like being fired was like the end of my life. And like, not to say that like people don't still feel that, of course, but there's just like a higher level of like self-worth and self-dignity. And that I really, really love. And I think that's great. What I'm afraid of, just speaking candidly, is the fact that mental health is like very complex. It's always been around. It will always be here, but it's no different to like, you know, physical health or anything else like Mm -hmm. that. It's not fully the responsibility of your employer to manage your mental health, right? And just like, it's not fully the responsibility of your employer to manage your physical health. They've got to make sure you've got an ergonomic setup and it's all good and all great. But at the end of the day, like there's a point where that stops. And there's to me like a bit of a like, uh, like double-sided angle to this like mental health thing, right? Because on the one hand, it's like, we always want to talk about mental health. Like a lot of young people, like we have to talk about mental health. We have to talk about mental health, but I'm just really worried that it's going to end up being the sword that they fall on when there's a backlash from decision makers, many of which are not used to talking about mental health at work and not used to being that open and not used to being that vulnerable. There's, there could be a critical mass of that group of people that create a narrative. I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying it's right. Mm-hmm. That mental health is now being used as an excuse for other things. Right. And we know that stories don't need to be true to be believed. Right. We don't Absolutely, we know yeah. that. Right? It's a narrative. So, so if there is a successful mental health like backlash or like, you know, people try to push these so-called boundaries in the other direction, like, yeah, you're right. The employer yeah. does need to respect its boundaries. And guess where our boundaries end? Anything to do with your body and mind. That's nothing to do with us. You show up, you right. get it done. Yeah. We'll pay you. Anything else, mental this, mental that. You've got your benefits. It's on you now. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just right. saying we yeah, need to yeah, be yeah. careful because- Yes, we can say, oh, we like boundaries. We need to enforce them. But remember that that can work both ways. Like, you know, yep. we're, we're at a stage where we're sort of cherry picking where we want work to be involved and cherry picking where we don't want them to be involved. And I'm just saying that narrative can be weaponized. So, so be careful. Yeah, yeah, be careful. Yeah, absolutely. You're basically saying if you're too vulnerable and start acknowledging like, you know, I've got mental health problems that it, it might end up working against exactly. you. Exactly. Like, this person's lazy. They don't want to do no work. And that's a sad reality. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so someone very close to me was applying for work and, you know, they mentioned in the interview that like, you know, they mentioned the dreaded phrase work-life balance. They were like, you know, my previous job, we were working till 9 p.m., 10 p.m. So I would like a bit of work-life balance. And obviously when a lot of employers who are kind of backwards, they hear that, they just think you're lazy. And like, yeah. And like, you're not, you don't want to work. And you know what I'm saying? And you know, the person has to clarify and say, no, listen, I'm more than willing to work and to pull in overtime if need be. Do you know what I'm saying? But I need to know that that's not default. The default isn't. We're here till like burning the midnight oil every single day. And yeah, so when those attitudes are still kind of so pervasive, then yeah, they're, 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 the pendulum swing on mental health might come back and bite people on the backside unfortunately watch your space so that's it for this mini episode of techish stay tuned for regular ish on your feed coming soon and in the meantime follow techish on at techish pod on socials have a great week peace peace